0: I'd like to do a little bit of both, Um, share a little bit about what life is like at GBS um, and then I have a message as well. Um, So as many of you know I've been attending God's Bible School and College this last semester. I am enrolled in the ministerial program, Associates Ministerial Program. The reason I went to GBS was so that I could learn how to be a better preacher and be prepared for the ministry that God has called me to be in. And for Um, to equip me so that in any way that God wants me to share the gospel, I am ready and I know how to. Um, So that, it has been a great asset for me to to go to GBS. Um, I've learned better how to preach a little bit, which, disclaimer, that does not mean I am a great preacher now. I have only been at Bible college for one semester. Um, But I still have learned a lot, and I'm thankful for all that God has been teaching me there, especially when it comes to personal evangelism, going out and telling people one-on-one about the gospel. There's been many times, probably about every week, a group of us um, college students there will go down into the city. Uh, GBS is right in the middle of Cincinnati. It's about a 45-minute walk down to the river. And so we'll go down there. The group of us that that like to go together don't have any cars. So we either have to hitch a ride down there and walk back or walk both ways. but we get a big group of us, so it's safe, and we go down to the riverfront, and we'll pass out tracts and find any way we can to share the gospel with whoever's walking around the parks down there. And I have found that that has been such a great experience, especially for me to be able to break through on the fear of talking to people that I don't know randomly. Because it's, it's awkward. You feel, you feel like the conversation's not going to open well. You're not sure how to go up to this person who's minding their own business, swinging on a swing or something, and you don't know what to say, you feel like you're going to stumble over your words. All these things would run through my mind, and I would have to overcome that. And so I would do that several different times and just get past the awkwardness and try to start a conversation. And then I I had a realization. It, I remembered back years ago when we used to, to swim in the creek. It would be Cold and you'd inch your way in one step at a time and it'd feel like the cold water was burning at your, at your thigh. And then eventually you'd get far enough in that you're like, the water's not that cold, and you just dunk yourself. <laughs> and then it's not that bad after that. That's how, it, that's how I found it is with witnessing too. It might seem really awkward and you take a couple steps and try to figure it out a little bit, but eventually you just have to dive in. Just start a conversation with someone. It might feel awkward, but that's okay. It's okay if it feels awkward. That's the, um, one of the discoveries that I've made. Then I'll just I'll walk up to someone randomly, I'll, I'll pull out a track and be like, have you, seen, have you gotten one of these today? And they're like, ooh, gotten one of these? What's, what's this? And so then you get an opportunity to, to tell people about the gospel. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a little bit of my experiences at GBS, so now uh, he noticed the joy on my face and that my middle name is Joy. Well, that's half of what we're talking about today is joy, but specifically joy in our trials, the response that God calls us to have in our trials is one of joy. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 I'm going to be reading out of the ESV. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The people James was writing to here were, were Jews that had been driven out of Jerusalem because of the persecution that was going on. And so they were going through all these kinds of trials that, harder trials than we've ever faced. And yet, James is telling them to count it all joy when you face trials. That's a paradox. How can we count something that's painful that we don't want, how can we count it as joy? I'm gonna take a look at that first command a little bit later on. I wanna cover a few other things first. Um, I want you to to keep your Bible open throughout this this whole message because we're gonna be bouncing back and forth between these three verses and it'll make a lot more sense if you can follow along with me. My goal with this message is so that you can understand what these three verses are talking about and so that you can have a better grasp of what our responses to trial is supposed to be. So in verse two, we find several different uh, characteristics of trials. We find that our response to trials is that we are to count it, with jo- count it all joy. That word count can also be translated consider. It's a way of thinking about your trials. Um, and I'll go into that more later. But then he says, my brothers. He's addressing Christians. We have a hope in our trials, as Christians, if if you're listening to me tonight and you're not in a relationship with God, you haven't given your life to God, then what I'm going to say doesn't really apply to you. You don't have the hope in trials like James is telling us here. It's not really possible for you to count it as joy as James is telling us to do. So the only thing I can really tell you is that you need to, Get in a relationship with God. And then the hard things that you're going through, you can find hope in them. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet. That word meet is is falling into. It's an unexpectedness. So James is telling us that this is how we can be ready for trials that we don't know are coming. If I know a thief is coming to my house, I can go around, make sure all the doors and windows are locked, I could. Get my gun ready, I guess. <laughs> um, but if I don't know the thief is coming, then I wouldn't know to prepare. He's telling us that trials will come. He says when, not if. So trials are coming, and they're going to come unexpectedly. So he's telling us how we can be prepared for trials that we can't see coming. And these trials come in many different kinds. When you meet trials of various kinds, I could not even start to scratch the surface of all the many different trials that may come into our life. There could be marital problems, financial problems, child rearing problems. You could be facing temptations. There's, there's a multitude of different things. It could be, you could be facing a trial that you don't even understand where it's coming from or, or why you're going through what you're going through. So what kind of trials are you facing right now? I'll bet each one of us are facing probably something a little bit different, probably something unique in each one of our lives. So what is it that you're going through right now? What is it that you need God's help with? So as we go through the rest of this passage, I want you to keep in mind that the foundation of all of this is counting our trials with joy. But, like a good Bible College student, I have three points. (laughs) We're going to look at the reason for trials, the intended results of trials, and what our response towards trials is supposed to be. So first of all, the reason for trials kind of comes in two points. First of all, we have the reason why we can count it all joy, this absurd command that James gives us that doesn't really make any sense. He gives us the reason why we can count our trials as joy, consider our trials with joy. Verse three says, for you know. Those are three pretty powerful words right there. We can count our trials with joy because we know. What do we know? That the testing of your faith, that's the trial that you're going through, produces steadfastness. The reason we can count our trials with joy, we can consider our trials through this mindset of joy, is because we know that God has a purpose for our trials. We might not be able to see what God is doing, but that's where faith comes in. We choose to believe that God has a plan even though we don't see it. And we choose to think about our trials with the joy we would have if we were able to see them in their perfect completeness. We think about them now with the joy that we would have later when we look back and, and we praise God for all that he brought us through and how that trial that we're going through grew us and, and changed us into a a better person, into more Christ-likeness. But we'd praise God now in the trial, even though we can't necessarily see what God is changing us into specifically. This verse also gives us a reason for the trials themselves. For you know that the testing of your faith, this is verse 3, produces steadfastness. the reason God allows trials into our life is so that our steadfastness can grow. Now, my translation uses steadfastness. King James uses patience. But the word, as I was studying through this, the word that I think uh, the English word that best describes what the Greek is talking about there is the word endurance. This word does not refer to a single act of great strength but rather a deeper level of character that manifests itself in more than just the trial. It is a marathon type of endurance. The Christian life isn't a sprint to the end. We have to have an endurance that will last through this entire lifetime, that will get us through all of the trials that we're going to face. And that endurance grows one trial at a time as we trust God and as we consider our trials with joy. So what's your endurance level? Do you have the kind of endurance it takes to run the race till the end of your life and to receive the crown of life that God has waiting for you at the end? God wants to help you. He wants to help you grow. This is the reason he lets trials into your life. But you have the choice of whether you're going to have faith and think about your trials with joy, or if you're going to let negativity control you. Trust me, it's going to be a lot harder, if not impossible, to grow in your endurance if you do it in the wrong attitude. It's easy in our trials in life to grow in bitterness rather than in faith and endurance. Count it all joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Verse four, and let endurance have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This verse tells us about the result trials are supposed to have. But remember that these results are conditional on you approaching your trials from the right perspective. So this is my second point, if you're taking notes. The intended results of trials. We've already seen that one of the results of trials is our growth and endurance, but let's not be tempted to think that that's the only purpose God has in our trials. He wants us to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. we find in verse 4 it says, and let steadfastness have its full effect. If you've got a pen or pencil with you, underline that word let, or circle it, or box it in, or highlight it. That's an important word right there. Because that shows us that there's, if we want to be that perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, like this verse is saying, there's something we have to do. There's a part that we have to play in this. We have to let steadfastness or endurance, have its full effect. So how do we let endurance have its full effect? Well, when you are in a trial, and you're holding your ground, you're enduring, you're standing firm, ask God, what are you trying to teach me in this trial? What do you want to grow me in? What do you want me to do? There can be many different questions that's applicable to your specific trial, I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know what God's trying to teach you. That's why you need to ask God. In order to let this endurance, this standing strong in your trial, have its purpose that God intends it to have, you need to ask God, be open for him to teach you. This requires being humble and submitting to God in whatever he wants. You could be in a circumstance where you're tempted to be bitter towards someone or angry at someone because maybe you feel like you have the moral high ground. But instead, God says, be humble. I have something to teach you in this. So many times we resist what God wants to do in us because of our own pride or We think that our wisdom is good enough, or there could be a number of things. But we need to humble ourselves and submit ourselves to what God wants to teach us. He wants you to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing, but that will only be possible if you let. Being perfect means maturity, perfection of character. Complete stresses this rounding out of character as more and more pieces of righteous character are added to your life. Lacking in nothing means to be fully equipped. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? This is part of what holiness is. Holiness isn't just getting rid of sin in your life. It's growing into Christ-likeness. It's becoming perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I don't know what picture comes to your mind when you hear the description that I gave, but I imagine someone who is strong in their faith, who doesn't waver under temptation, who has compassion for all people, who is willing to help anyone who is in need, but not only willing, is also equipped and able to answer whatever questions they have or to bear their burdens or whatever they may need. Someone who is close to God, and so much more than that. This happens one step at a time. This doesn't just happen all at once. You become this perfect Christian that everyone looks toward. It happens one step at a time as in your trial, you endure, you hold your ground, and you let God teach you what he wants to teach you. Now, that's the reason we can consider our trials with joy. The reason God allows trials into our life and their intended result. But as I told you before, we'd get back to that, that command at the beginning to count it all joy, because it can be easy to misunderstand what that's talking about. Consider refers to how you're thinking about something. It's not an emotion. So when James is telling us to count it all joy, He's not talking about an emotional response towards our trials. He's telling us that our mindset towards trials needs to be one of joy. It can be easy to look at this verse and think we have to be happy all the time, even in our trials, but that's not what James is talking about. James is telling us that when we think about our trials, we need to make the active choice of joy faith, rather than letting ourselves be sorrowful and digging ourselves into this little mournful hole. So how are you going to consider your trials? Will you choose the mindset of joy? But that leads us to another question. What is joy? A lot of times we link joy and happiness as the same thing, but they're not. Joy in this context is not primarily an emotion. It's a deep, settled contentment in every situation. A deep, settled contentment in every situation. It's coupled very closely with faith. To choose joy is to trust that God has a purpose for your trials. Counting it as joy is an expression of your faith. Say I hired you to come to my house and redo my flooring. You've pulled up all the carpet and the wood floor. You're in the middle of the process. And I I come home, everything's a mess, and I get angry at you for messing up my beautiful house. That doesn't make sense, does it? Instead, I come home and I say, thank you so much, Brother Justin, for coming and redoing my flooring. I know this is going to look great when you get done. Now what have I done? I've thought about this mess that I see in front of me. I've considered it with joy, seeing beyond what I see right now to what I know it will be in the future. I've expressed my faith in you that By rejoicing right now in what my floor will be later. That is what we're supposed to do in our trials too. When we're in the midst of our trials, we don't understand what's going on. We might be in this dark place where we don't, we don't see what God's intended plan is for this trial. We don't see what God is trying to work out in our lives. We don't understand why all this is going on. Maybe we don't understand the root of what's going on. but instead of staying in this place right now where there's all this pain and hurt and confusion, we look beyond what we see right now to what we know God will do in the future. We know God has a plan for our trials even though we can't see it. And so we will hold on to that hope of what we know there will be in the future, right now in our trials to help get us through, to help us have that endurance. So practically, how how does this work? In order to have the mindset of joy in our trials and to let God have his perfect work in our lives, to let him teach us, we need to give permission to the Holy Spirit to open us so that we might learn what God wants to teach us. If we decide that we can do it on our own and we're going to figure it out on our own, then we're not gonna learn what God has intended us to learn. Maybe the trial will just get worse and worse until we eventually decide we're gonna trust God. I don't know what the exact circumstance would be, but we have to give permission for the Holy Spirit to open us up to what he wants to teach us. It requires us being humble, submitting ourselves to God's will. But I also want you to be aware of a hindrance that that could be in your life and that could be holding you back from this. It's the belief that God wants me to always be happy, healthy, and prosperous. Yes, God wants to bring good things into our lives, but the problem is we often define good differently than God does. This belief creates the assumption that if there's anything bad, or that we would define as bad, come into our lives, that. We need to completely avoid it or even rebuke it. But the thing is, God does allow trials into our lives. God cares more about your holiness than your happiness. Because true holiness brings joy. That is the reason the intended result and the response, what our response to trials is supposed to be. When we think about our trials, we need to think about them with joy because we know that God has a plan and a purpose in our trials. And we need to let God teach us through our trials so that we can be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Maybe you find yourself in a trial that you don't feel like you're you're getting anywhere. and Maybe you feel like giving up. It's lasted longer than you thought it would, and, and you just can't see how this is ever going to end. I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but I know someone who does. Amen. He is the one who is able to give you the strength to consider your trials with joy. Because it's something that's it's hard to do on our own, maybe even impossible for us to do on our own. Right. We need God's help in our lives to be able to do this. So ask God for the strength to count it all joy. Trials are hard, and you are going to need God's help to endure. Think about Job. In his last defense, he laid out all of the things his friends had accused him of, one by one, and said, this would be an abomination to God, and I have not done this. This would be an abomination to God, and I have not done this. He laid out everything before God. He made his case before God and asked God to answer him. You see, Job's friends had the same misunderstanding that I mentioned a little bit ago. That all bad things that come into your life come because you have sinned. And if you were right with God, then surely your life would be full of peace and joy all the time. But that's not the case. Job was adamant that he did not sin, and we find out later, God himself told us that Job was right before the Lord, and that he had indeed not spoken wrong of the Lord. But I want you to listen closely to how Job approached his trial. He did not understand what he was going through. He examined himself to see if he had sinned and needed to repent, but he could find no error. He couldn't find a cause for all these trials like his accusers were accusing him of. So he laid it all out before the Lord and asked God to answer him. And guess what? God did. Perhaps, perhaps if you're still waiting on an answer from God, could it be that you haven't told God about your situation and asked him for an answer? Sometimes we might get in this mindset of knowing that God knows everything that we're going through and that surely he'll answer us, but then we forget to actually tell God about the situation we're going through. Now, if you have told God about your situation and he hasn't answered you yet, then keep waiting, keep enduring and trusting God for the answer. This is um, a thought that I've been thinking about for a long time to do with Job and and how to approach trials. I've I've coined it pouting to God. Probably not the greatest title, but it helps me to remember it at least. Whenever I'm going through something that I don't understand, and I'm, I'm very emotional, so whenever I'm going through something I don't understand, I need to tell God everything that I'm going through. Not just all the facts about the situation, but, everything about how I'm feeling too. And when I started doing that, it just sounded like I was pouting to God. But I found that nearly every time I have laid out my case before God, told him every part of the situation like he didn't know it before, then in some way he's given me peace or given me an answer or given me direction. And it doesn't always happen right away. Sometimes I've had to wait. But a lot of times, God has given me the answer I needed. Maybe not always the answer I wanted. Actually, definitely not always the answer I wanted. But God has answered me. The idea is that when you are going through a trial, tell God every facet of what you're going through. You could try, if, if you haven't um, already, you could try pouting to God yourself. Tell God about everything that's going on. Tell him how this trial makes you feel. Tell him about the situation. Ask him for advice. That's what the very next verse in James says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without repro- reproach. God has the wisdom that you need for whatever circumstance you're going through. The unique thing about this relationship with God is that God knows everything that's going on inside of your brain. When I first started um, telling God everything that was going on, it it felt weird because I I felt um, almost selfish or something, telling God all these negative things, it seemed. But the thing is, if I didn't tell it to God, then I'd be holding it in myself and he sees that. So why why would I hold in all of this that I need God to help me with when he sees it all? I wonder how many times we we hold our trials in, we hold them close like a friend almost, when God is right there to help us. We think we can make it through on our own We trust in our own wisdom instead of giving it to God. I wonder how often God cries out, I am right here. Reach out for my hand. I want to bear your burden. I want to help you. But you won't reach out for me. We can do what this passage says and we can see the results in our lives if we open ourselves up to a truly deep relationship with God. Will you choose the mindset of joy in your trials? That is, trusting that God has a purpose in them. And will you let God make you perfect and complete, lacking in nothing? As um, Justin, piano player, come, I'd like to open up the altar to anyone who needs to tell God about your situation. Whatever trial you're going through, maybe you've already told God about it many times before. Why not tell him about it again? And if you haven't told God about whatever you're facing, then now's a good time to. And if you you don't have a relationship with God yet, I invite you to come and to join in this relationship. Because with God, there is a purpose for the struggles that we go through. Verse 12 of James chapter one, tells us blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. The ultimate purpose for all that we go through ends in us receiving the crown of life at the end, if we will endure through this life.